Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Tiffany Corker. I am here with the founder and CEO, a title that she loves, Jen Harper. You started Cheekbone Beauty. You have stories. I have just dried my eyes from crying. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I wish I hit record about 10 minutes ago when you dove into telling me your story. And instead, we're going to dive straight in because in light of everything that's going on in the world right now, I had several friends reach out and say, have you heard about Cheekbone Beauty? You have to check it out. And I love beauty with a cause, but I really love a woman on a mission. And as soon as I started reading about the mission and the work that you were up to, you really brought tears to my eyes. And then just listening to you speak, I'm so grateful for your time and for you to dish on, on where this dream came from. And you started this company back in 2015. Where, where should we even start, Jen? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. So the crazy dream in 2015, I call it the life changing dream where I pop out of bed. There were all of these native little girls covered in lip gloss. And right away I was like, okay, I'm going to make lip gloss. This is it. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to start a foundation in my grandmother's name, who is Emily Paul. And she was a residential school survivor. Uh, my family is Ojibwe from Northwest Angle 33, which is in Northwestern Ontario, almost on the border of Manitoba. And I was estranged from my family for, for many years because of shame and mm. it's it took me a long time to reconnect and rebuild my relationships with my father and all of my extended family which I'm really grateful to tell you right now that I had but I struggled with an identity issue and that was just because my mom is not indigenous and and my dad is and I couldn't figure out where I fit in the world or who I was supposed to be or what I was supposed to do. And I'm a slow learner. <laughs> I've told people many, many times before. So it took me a long time to figure things out. And it wasn't until I was 40 that I started figuring things out. And now at 40, realize I have so much more still to figure out. But um, it all started with getting sober, which, all that, which happened in 2014. Then had this dream and started working on this business, which has been really a big, big part of this healing journey that I've been on. Oh my word. Can, can we talk about all of that? Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Because I think there's so much to be said for let's acknowledge what was it like to have, do I call it an interracial marriage and inter, interracial parents? <laughs> I don't even know what it, I don't know what it's called, but I call it me now. I, I figured I'm, okay. I'm just allowed to be who I am, right? Yeah. And embrace both, both sides of it and, and which I've learned to do. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all of the, I don't know, dysfunction. Cause I would not be, I wouldn't be who I've turned out to be without it. So it's mm -hmm. kind of such a, a strange place to sit, but you know, my mom didn't know anything about indigenous culture. And so she couldn't teach me. And then not having a really solid relationship with my dad, I wasn't learning anything there either. Mm -hmm. And as I rebuild a relationship with him, he's teaching me more. I'm learning more about the importance just of our language and that being taken away from my grandmother. 
at such a young age. And I'm really, really proud of my family because a lot of Indigenous families lost their languages. My family speaks fluent Anishinaabe Moen. Regularly, when I go home to the reservation, I, I don't understand what they're saying. I know they're talking about me when I hear my name pop in, but, <laughs> but I just love that they kept that. And I, I picture my grandmother, you know, leaving residential school. She was there for 10 years and they would be physically punished, like beaten if they spoke Anishinaabe, which is the Ojibwe language. And she went home and had eight kids and all eight of them speak fluent Anishinaabe Moan. And I, she was only like four, but like nothing. She was just this tiny little woman, but very feisty. And I just picture her going back and raising her family and thinking no one's going to rob my family of knowing their language to the point where my one uncle is actually an Anishinaabe translator and he's done a lot of work within communities. And he's a professor at the University of Minnesota and teaches the language. Wow. 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 Thank you for being so candid about the journey. And I mean, it's a brief, obviously brief snippets along the way, but I think it's so easy to celebrate entrepreneurship and people starting things for what they've started. And we so rarely go back to say, what's the origin and where, and the nucleus of where the idea or the dream even came from. And Mm -hmm. it adds so much power to the story when it it comes from this place. And so you shared that you've been sober since 2014. You woke up in January of 2015 with a dream and, and the dream was lip gloss and (laughs) it's gone on. Tell me more about the dream. Fast forward all of 2015 and 2016 was just this dive into like research and development and still on that path to healing So learning everything I possibly could about Indigenous history in Canada, and at the same time reading, I read, I think, over 100 books over that 18-month period, and so many of them based on business, and then so many of them based on Indigenous people and their stories, and it, it was just such a powerful couple of years because not only did I get to dive into, like, the history of Indigenous people, but then how am I going to do this? I have this dream. I've never had a business before, but it's incredible what passion can do because it absolutely fueled me. I had to work uh, and worked my full-time job well into August of 2019 when I was finally able to quit. But the original business plan that developed that night after that dream was, okay, I'm going to do this, but I knew I would have to work that full-time job for another three to five years before this business ever became profitable, according to my quick, you know, business financial numbers that I had thrown into an Excel spreadsheet at the time. And it did, it it took that long and I would work sometimes 80 to hundred hour work weeks and still be a mom and a wife. And it's, it's incredible. I'm always blown away at what that like burning in your belly thing is when there's passion involved. And then In 2016, just before we were about to launch, when we finally had a product ready, we had a website as basic as it was when I look back now, we were ready to go and ready to launch. And like, it's just a super painful tragedy. My brother had committed suicide in September of 2016. And at that point, you know, I'm like in a puddle, in a fetal position on, in my bedroom thinking, how am I going to keep going and do this thing that, you know, I've been working so hard on for the last two years to bring something to market. But he had said something to me 
the when I saw him that May before before he died, he said, Jen, our youth need hope and they need help. And and this business that you're creating is gonna be amazing and gonna be great. And so literally I just hustled again and all throughout 2017 and 2018. And his words literally still run through my mind at some point every single day. Cause when most entrepreneurs will be able to relate to this, that there's, there's always a problem that we're trying to figure out how to solve. Some are just a heck of a lot bigger than others. And some days you're like, why am I doing this? And you know, that passion and that fire literally comes from the, my brother It's literally this, it's this constant companion of pain, but it's also like this fuel at the same time, which is, you know, this reason why our brand is created to help every indigenous kid on the planet see their enormous value in the world. And I wish, you know, more, I just want every indigenous kid to see how, how much they matter and how important they are. And thankfully my brother is painfully beside me, helping me through this. Oh gosh. Thank you. Thank you. I, as a white woman won't ever totally get what it's like to feel like an indigenous person. I'll never know. And I'm wondering if you can help me understand what does it mean for indigenous, let's say girls to not feel beautiful or how do they feel that you saw an opportunity that could help them feel, feel better. Maybe I shouldn't never dare say, I hope they all feel beautiful, but there's obviously something that you saw. No, we want to. And that is, you know, it's, it's, it's such a great question. I love that you're asking that because I grew up me personally without seeing any role models or anyone that looked like me in mass media. And that, Mm. that really was, I think, part of the, the platform or the foundation of the brand as well. We knew that we wanted every kid to see their face somewhere. And thankfully with the, the power of social media and social media platforms, we're able to always highlight indigenous faces and we get literally like emails and direct messages from indigenous youth just and parents and adopted parents just so grateful that they can see themselves and that was part of it i i honestly i don't think i understood how important this representation thing was at the beginning even though i knew that that's what we wanted to do i didn't get the power until i've gotten the feedback from from people in our community and just the reading their words you know it's it's interesting when you think you're building a brand and you're thinking something's going to turn out this way, but then you're hearing someone speak to that thing that you thought of, but you didn't even know how to articulate it that clearly at the time. So it's just, it's so powerful, the connection and these, you know, we cannot be anything that we cannot see. And Mm -hmm. I I think that uh, for our youth, for us as a brand, it was so important to give them a platform of, things that they could be and and see it from different indigenous women. And that's where our warrior women collection came in. Every shade is named after a, a different indigenous woman who's doing incredible work within their communities or using their platforms and their voices. And it's from lawyers to uh, social Cindy Blackstock, who's the director of the First Nation Child and Family Caring Society. We have a shade named after her. And that's the organization that we donate 10% of all of our profits to. And she has been fighting literally for the rights of First Nations kids for well over a decade. And so there's her. And then we have Alanis, who's a, a film director. It's, so it's just this like plethora of industries where if you were an indigenous kid growing up, you could be you could see I could do that job because I see another person that looks like me doing it. And that was, it's a, a, another simple idea, 
but yet so powerful and hearing the feedback from from our youth is let me know how powerful that really is absolutely we often say or i shouldn't say we my brother has taught me this that we have offerings that we deliver and the outcome and what you get is the medicine that's underneath and what i see is that you have products that you offer to the world but the medicine is in what people get to see and the medicine is in is what will heal us and what will heal the youth that see a future because of the platform that you're creating I love that. Um, never doubt the power of lip gloss. Therein lies the medicine. That is what I am learning here. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So the entrepreneurial journey is something that I love to riff on, and it's never a straight line. And unless you're an entrepreneur, you'll never quite get what it's like to have passion that feels like it is you know, basically pregnant in your gut waiting to be born. The idea is waiting to be born and it's euphoric and it keeps you up and you will work hard. And yet it also comes with an enormous cost that can be hours of sleep, a lot of anxiety and the hardest way to pay your rent, I think. (laughs) And I could be wrong, Jen, you might have had a different experience. (laughs) No. (laughs) Can you share with me the euphoria tell me what's been the highlight what was a moment that you thought this is why i'm doing what i'm doing yeah so i'll I'll, the first the first one was literally someone had asked me to start speaking about what i was doing and i was like what what do you mean like i'm just making a little side business why do you want me to come speak about it so anyway brock university had a class and it was on diversity and they invited me to come speak about my business and the reason why I started it and at the end of the the talk, I go into the details about my life, about getting sober, about losing my brother to suicide, about living in shame and identity issues my entire life. But then there's, you know, the this good part at the end where I'm trying to change that narrative and change it for myself and and help kids see that we can all change our own stories at any time. We can all change and, and that opportunity is there for us. But a young woman came up to me at the end and, you know, she's got blonde hair and blue eyes and she's like sobbing and and she literally she embraced me and she said I'm Métis and my family is part Métis and First Nations and I've never told anyone and we've hidden this and we like it was in her family not to talk about their indigenous heritage right or their mm-hmm. their history and, and what their family's story was because of the shame mm-hmm. and she said you've inspired me to not only talk about it but do something to support my community and my family. And literally I was like, okay, (laughs) I always said when I started, I'm like, if I can affect one person, (laughs) that would be enough. And it was that after that talk that it was just like, it was euphoric. It was like, oh my goodness. Like we could literally, if I just tell this story to every, like so many audiences, if one person in every audience at the end of the year, you know, I did one a month at that time, there's 12 people. And then you just keep going on and moving from that. And, and it's just people, I don't want anyone to be ashamed of who they are or where they come from because there's nothing worse than that feeling of having shame. It's such a, it's a, it's a horrible feeling, which then brings people, especially we know the rates of suicide within indigenous communities, 
brings people, shame turns into that hopeless, desperate feeling, which leads to suicide in, in some cases. And I never, ever, ever want anyone to be in that hopeless, dark pit. I want to be a part of pulling people out of that and do whatever I can to, to, to make any tiny little bit of difference. Um, and the fact that I, this could be a job was just a bonus, right? Jen, <laughs> I, I haven't cried on this podcast before, but you're, you're really getting to the medicine of this conversation because there's, I mean, one person, I, this podcast, thousands of people will listen to and, and shame comes in so many shapes and sizes and it, and masks. I mean, we disguise shame so well and I really commend and I really appreciate how you speak of it so authentically and honestly and, and from the other side. Um, I hope you're so proud, which is the next question. And that is, what are you, what are you most proud of that you have created? And I want you to brag. I want you to not be humble at all. I want you to know you're impacting thousands of lives. You're speaking um, to an incredible community, the world that you're speaking to on social follows you in awe. Sephora can, are you selling in Sephora? No. Yeah, they no. can get lost. I want to know what you're most proud of, Jen. Um, I think, oh my goodness, you're making me cry. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't think I think about this enough. Or, yeah. You know, I'm just proud of myself for getting and staying sober so that I could be a good human, good mom, a good wife, a good citizen, a good community. I don't know what a community person is called right now, but just someone who does good things and wakes up every day and just feels, I feel, I wake up every day now feeling good about myself and that didn't happen for, for 38 years. Oh, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just mic drop that's what you call a mic drop we are so lucky that you chose to get sober and to look at these to look your past in the eyes and look at your dream with wide open eyes and say let's go make this happen and I'll never look at cheekbone beauty the same way <laughs> ever this is I, don't, I, the, I, and the, I think the craziest thing is having no experience in the beauty industry whatsoever like I remind myself that of everything now and the fact yeah. that the, you know the products that we're working on like it's blowing my mind like the next thing is it's yeah it's blowing my mind that I even am here doing this right yes <laughs> Jen, what I've heard in this conversation is that there is a product that people might see in the world and there is medicine and a story and a heritage and a history that comes to get to that product. And that is what you have shared. And what I've heard is that for all of the entrepreneurial highs and lows and the said in the most humble, beautiful way, if you can impact one person, what a beautiful thing that is, but really, truly how incredible it is to wake up and be proud. And I am so grateful that I got the chance to have this brief conversation with you and that you were willing to come on Uncork to share it. And thank you for waking up every day proud because you are so totally inspiring the rest of us to do the same. And as we said before we started this, if the world needs anything right now, it's humans to care about humans. 
And I think you're really winning at that game. <laughs> we wrap every podcast with one final question. The time has gone far too fast. We'll make sure that there are lots of links and notes below on where we can all come to find you. But the last question is, what is making your heart beat faster, Jen? Uh, the, the new products and new sustainable line that we're working on. Mm. So the, that has got me, my blood pumping every single day. We're using agricultural waste and plant waste as one of the wow. main ingredients in a new foundation. And again, bananas that I'm doing this with no experience <laughs> in the beauty industry, which just proves that anybody can do anything. Oh, anybody can do anything if they want to. Totally. Right? That's the asterisk. And so when people are like, I can't, it's like, why don't you just replace that with, I don't want to. And if you don't want to, that's fine. But if you're up for doing something, yeah. Jen is proof you can do that something. <laughs> yes. Gorgeous. That's a wrap. Thank you for your time. Thank you. No, thank you so much.